You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. This Maundy Thursday, Thursday the 6th of April. Cool a little grey here in TW11 today. And in a few moments' time, you will be hearing from Davy Russell, who has been the subject of so much speculation over the last 48 hours. And those of you who read the Racing Post last night, the Daily Mirror this morning, will have seen that he is intending to ride at Aintree. He gives me a thoughtful and quite detailed interview in just a little while about what the last couple of weeks have been like and what he hopes to gain from the next 10 days or so. Before that, though, some breaking news this morning. Uh, This is a, a story that has come from a press release issued by the Financial Conduct Authority, and this may well be of interest to those in the sport of horse racing and in time may have an impact upon it. It reads as follows, The Financial Conduct Authority has taken urgent steps with the High Court to successfully appoint interim managers, the High Court appointed Shane Crooks, Mark Shaw and Emma Sayers of BDO LLP, to take control of WealthTech Limited Liability Partnership, which also has the trading names, and this is the one you'll be familiar with, Vertem Asset Management and Malach Melville. Vertem Asset Management is the company founded by prominent racehorse owner John Dance. John Dance is also responsible for the new Manor House Stables establishment in Midlam and the sponsorship of the Vertim Futurity. The Financial Conduct Authority has also ordered the firm to immediately cease carrying on all regulated activities following serious regulatory and operational issues coming to light. The appointment of BDO LLP is interim pending a further court hearing. Northumbria Police, working in partnership with the FCA, arrested a man aged 48 in connection with these concerns, and the FCA later interviewed the individual under caution. WealthTech is an FCI-authorised and regulated wealth management firm which provides discretionary, advisory and execution-only services to their retail clients. The FCA is in close contact with the firm and interim managers regarding the fair treatment of customers, and further information will be made available by them in due course. And it should also be pointed out that as well as owning this large development that is about to be complete in Middleham, uh, John Dance, the owner of the Star Mare Lawrence, is also part owner of Brave Man's Game, who may yet head to Aintree next week for the bowl. One leading player who will definitely take to the Aintree stage now is Davy Russell, and I've had the chance to catch up with him. And I began after what's been an eventful few weeks simply by asking how he was feeling now. Yeah, much better, much better, Nick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, looking forward. The sun is out here this morning, so it's a beautiful morning. And how important is it now that you just kind of get the blinkers on, kick forward and and press on to entry? Yeah, that's it. Like, to be honest, it it is uh, taking a bit of time and... um, I was, you know, I was quite sore after Cheltenham and only in the last few days I've kind of just started to come to myself. You go in there with such great expectations. It's not always going to, it's not always going to play your way. When you, when you came out of Cheltenham, obviously still feeling a bit, bit bruised. Did, did you think, well, that's probably, I'm probably done now and I've done my bit. I've, I've, I was asked to do what I wanted to do. Or did you think I've got to, I've got to end on a high? 
I know, to be fair, Gordon was adamant that I ended on a better note and um, that the horses were there, were available for me to do that. So um, um, that that option was always there and it was just for me to get in the right place to, to, to either take that option or just sail out into the sunset. Have you thought beyond Daintree or is it a question of now trying to finish on a high note? No, I'd say just, you know, just taking every day as it comes, really. And um, as you touched on there, I was absolutely loving it. Um, Leperstown went, all went according to plan, you know, and I felt great. I felt like it was the right decision. And just one of them things that's easiest fall you could see. Um, no problem with the fall or anything like it, but whatever happened, I just rolled I just rolled off my horse and the horse coming on behind me uh, just knelt on my back and you couldn't imagine it happening but it just it just happened as as I was rolling my back protector moved and he got me in underneath the back protector and that was that, that really really stopped my put a halt to my gallop for a few weeks you know and that kind of didn't help with the preparation going to Cheltenham I'd imagine if if I didn't get that fall or I didn't get that injury I would have, um, you know, I, I, I was absolutely bouncing uh, before that, you know. But you're betwixt and between, aren't you? Because it's not as though, you, you know, you, you're trying to race to get there and, and you, you've got a job to do. You've got to get there, haven't you? That's right. That's right. And, and you know, you know, it, it felt good. Now, it did feel good come Cheltenham. But the problem with, with, with me and I suppose a lot of jockeys is, and luckily in Ireland, we actually get a couple of days off during the week, whereas it's a lot tougher in England. You get no day off. Um, but we, you know, when you're going along and you get a couple of knocks, you get a day to, to rest and, and recuperate. But uh, when you're riding in four consistent days like Cheltenham at a high end and you need to be 100%, that's, that, that can be hard, you know. Okay, so did you did you manage to get away at all? Did you get take a bit of holiday time? Uh, kinda. Well, kinda. Yeah, I, <laughs> I went to Dubai. We were we were selling horses in Dubai um, at the Breeze Up Sale. So I went there for three or four days, and it was nice. I sat by the pool for a, uh, an evening or two, and but I'm not much of a holiday guy anyway. And uh, I'm not able to get back for Fairy House this weekend, so the kids are going jumping in Limerick, and as they say, we're going to stay away. We're after getting a, a little cottage there for a few days, and um, that'll be nice. I, I enjoy, I, I find great solace in, in their company, you know. You're going to get a good workout this weekend, aren't you? I mean, how, so how many of them are competing this weekend? Well, I've two I've two children, but we've three ponies, and um, they're uh, they're great to help out other people and warm up ponies for different people and things. So it's kind of you'll be gone at six in the morning, and and it'll be flat to the boards for the three days. But I enjoy it. I actually enjoy it. I, I kind of meet a lot of people that you don't normally that we used to meet years ago, and you haven't seen in a couple of years. So it's it's great to. to to meet all them people right good so there's not too much thinking time either you can you can bash on to entry are you going to try and get a few spins in the middle of the week before right will you be able to get a ride before entry yeah ideally i would have loved to have ridden obviously in ireland on a smaller day or something like that and just 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 got back into it but in i've taken a decision now to kind of miss fairy house get myself fully fit and hit entry you know you know, fully fit and and try and see is there a couple of rides available. I won't be riding much, but if there's one or two every day, want that um, 
get my eye in for Saturday. Okay, so is it? Am I assuming that you're riding Galvin, or is it? Is it too early to say? Well, he, he, obviously, you, uh, you know as well as I do. In this game, twenty-four hours can be a long time. But yeah, I, I'd be really looking forward to riding the likes of Galvin, um, especially for Ronnie. He's an enthusiastic owner, and for some strange reason, Galvin and Ronnie have got me out of trouble over the years with Grade Ones and Grade Threes and Grade Twos. When the season comes to a bit of a lull, Galvin all of a sudden comes along and gets you back in the winning the winning streak. So I've really enjoyed riding him over the past couple of years. We've had some great success in Leopard sound and punches sound in different places and to be honest I got it's such a marvellous spin off him in Cheltenham I really enjoyed it uh, the whole way in the cross country race so it'll be nice to get back on him as long as everything is going according to plan with him do you know what I mean and me obviously and, and I know that I know that you defied history by winning it twice on Tiger Roll but there is something about there is something about going into the race on a horse who's not been there, done it, been exposed over the fences. You kind of know where you are. So you've got all those horses from last year: the Delta Works, the Longhouse Poet, the Noble Yates, the Any Second Now, and all the rest of it. Sometimes the the one that hasn't been in that mix before is the one you want to be with. Yeah, and I suppose his his season took a took a halt. Um, um, he would have ran in the likes of a Bobby Joe and all them different races. And, um, you know, over a three miles and, you know, I suppose it's like marathon runners. You, you can only run the full distance so many times. Do you know what I mean? So, and he hasn't, he's only ran that distance once this year. So you'd be hoping, and especially knowing him, he, he seems to be a better horse come this time of the year or on drier and on, on, when the sun is on his back, he seems to, be, to improve, you know? Okay. One last question, Davey. To what extent has this situation where you found yourself as the the star of your own mini drama if you like been uh, an exasperating experience very much the the center of attention having people you know, speculate and ring you up and call you up all the time trying to work out what you're doing next what you're doing tomorrow what you're doing next week who you might be riding and so forth Oh well, it's 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 part of the course, but I I just I didn't realise that my decisions would have such an impact on uh, the journalist. But I, I I honestly don't don't <laughs> intend. It wasn't. It was never. It's never my intention to create this kind of a this kind of a, a, a foray about what I'm doing. It was. I never. I didn't think when I was making the decisions that I would have created such a fuss. Do you know. I suppose when 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 all said and done, and you look back on it, you might do do it with a wry smile and think, "My God, it was a some soap opera." But it it could just have one last decent chapter to it. Well, yeah, yeah, you never know, but sure, we're there, and and uh, I just love riding horses. I genuinely do. I, I the whole thing that goes with it sometimes, you know, it, it, it can be a bit much, and I like to try and step away and sometimes I might feel sound or, or, or come across a little bit rude but I, I, I don't really enjoy the the attention I, I just love riding horses and, and I, I don't like talking too much um, especially because nowadays you could say the wrong thing very quick and and not mean mean what you say so um it's just I, I I just try to be careful at times for what I say and I, I as you well know I'm an outspoken kind of a guy face to face but it's different when you're putting it down in paper it can read different than what it means you know so I, I, I don't really like it talking 
too much anymore. Well, the good news about this podcast is I can't take you out of context what you've said. You've said no, so. So nice. we're all done. Right, that's it now. Till after till till after entry. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll leave you alone. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks very much. Fine. Thank you. All right, that was a, a reflective and a, I thought quite um, upbeat, Davy Russell at, at the end of that interview. As I'm joined now by Jane Mangan, um, broadcaster and journalist. Jane, d- just give me your appraisal of of what you heard there from Russell. I'm pleased to hear that he's he's coming back because um, it's what what happened to Cheltenham is not the way he deserved to go out or his career deserved to end. Um, and uh, he sounds very relaxed, Nick, having been out of the du- Dubai breeze of sale, having uh, be- been busy around with the ponies, that he's he's kind of in the mental state now where he is basically, for all intents and purposes, done. He he just basically wants to put the bow on top of, um, you know, to, to seal it perfectly, to put icing on the cake, if you will. And, and what better way to do that than at Aintree? I, I'm not surprised he wants to get a few rides in beforehand uh, but I do laugh a little bit to myself when he says get a few rides in each day at Aintree well we know what happens each day at Aintree there's a couple of grade ones each day at Aintree and it just wouldn't be on the be beyond the realms of possibility for him to pick up one of those uh, en route to the national but he mentions Galvin and how good Galvin has been to him how good Davy Russell has been to Galvin as well Um that you know, that Leopardstown race getting up on the line to beat that Tower will live long in the memory. And he isn't without his chance in the Randox Grand National. He's got a lot of weight, uh, 11 stone 11. But number one, that makes it possible for Davy Russell to ride him. And two, he's got that weight for a reason. So it might just happen that he's got his fairy tale ending. But either or, I, I don't think um, anyone would, would begrudge Davy Russell just going out, enjoying himself at Liverpool next week and doing it his own way. Uh, do you think Gavin can win? No, I don't. Not with that weight. <laughs> but he's still a good horse. He's he's a great one horse. All right, you'd be familiar by now if you're not. Uh, Scott Benton, a 35-year-old Red Wall Tory MP uh, and chairman of the all-party betting and, and gambling select committee. He's been done in a sting by Times journalists who purported to be investors in the gambling industry and he was going to um, undertake various parliamentary favours in exchange for a, a monthly stipend, it is alleged. Um, Neil Channing, a gambling industry analyst and professional punter, is with me now. Uh, Neil, what damage does this do to, to the gambling industry and indeed to racing, even though, obviously, there was no actual gambling industry person offering Benton any cash? Well, I guess the first thing you've got to think about is who's smiling when they're reading this story and who's looking a bit hacked off. Uh, so the person that will be, the people that will be smiling the most is the people uh, that uh, call themselves gambling reformers, the people that want to, uh, some of them want to abolish gambling altogether, some others uh, want to make it better regulated and safer. Some some we can agree with on that, others we're not so keen on. But they're going to be loving life this morning. This is another uh, bad news story, just as the uh, just as the white paper may eventually be coming. The people that are going to hate this story uh, is everybody else. So, you know, and we get lumped together as punters and also racing as an industry gets lumped together. I should think the PHA are hating this story. 
uh, I think, regular punters that don't want intrusive affordability checks are hating this story, and definitely the gambling companies are hating this story. It, it should be said, though, that at the end of the day, uh, there wasn't a bookmaker offering many thousands of pounds for an MP to break the rules and ask questions on their behalf in Parliament and make representations. Uh, it was just a Times journalist. The problem that the gambling industry has is uh, we can all believe that it's the sort of thing that could happen because, A, we've seen Tory MPs and Labour MPs as well uh, take money from uh, large companies in order to lobby on their behalf. Uh, you know, there was a Labour MP doing it for the water industry not that long ago. Um, so it does happen. Uh, and also the gambling industry has, you know, not covered itself in glory in the last few years. So, uh, you know, that is the problem. Most people reading it are not going to think, well, oh, that could never happen. The Times have manufactured something that could just never happen. They're just going to think, oh, it's that disgusting gambling industry up to no good again. All right, thanks there to Neil Channing, who who put that in a nutshell pretty succinctly. Jane Mangan is with me now. Jane, it's more it's more grist to the anti-gambling mill, this, and you can't help looking at this footage of, of Scott Benton and just think, what an idiot. What an idiot. And you can't help but think, is, is this real? Or is this something I'm watching on a Netflix series? Because it would actually make a very good episode. But uh, it's for the first part. It for, first and foremost, it's very good investi- investigative journalism on behalf on behalf of the reporters working undercover for the Times. But two, it just stinks. From reading the quotes where um, Benton is said to have told the reporters that we can table things in the public record, that he can get uh, a copy of the white paper forty eight hours before it goes into the public domain. You know, things like this is just so damaging in so many ways. Right, Jane. Um, for those who thought that Ireland was a safe haven for for the enthusiasm for horse racing, think again, because I've come across this from the Irish Examiner. Students at University College Cork. This is I mean, I know you didn't go to UCC, but this is your this is your home have voted to ban the promotion of student race days with the UCC Students Union the UCCSU, and to no longer condone or endorse events involving horse racing or betting on animals in Cork. It's disappointing. I went to MTU, but UCC is basically across the road. Um, This follows a motion passed by the UCC Student Council, which was brought forward as a result of a petition by the UCC Vegan Society. It's, uh, It's a move that... It saddens me, not only disappoints me, but saddens me because when I read down through this uh, Irish Examiner piece, the UCC student welfare officer Alana O'Connor said she believed the ban on horse racing would be a popular move against uh, amongst most students. She's quoted as saying that obviously there is a cohort who enjoy it and see it as a nice day out. But for a larger cohort of students, they see the mistreatment of animals and it as an event centered on gambling now i think this is a prime example of where education is needed uh, amongst the younger generation but having taken part in uh hri incentivized days in college that were very poorly attended it's not as simple as going in there showing them 
how we do things in the industry or bringing them out to a stud farm or bringing them to the races and showing them the other side of it. It's not, you need to have an open mind. And this sounds like that they believe that horse racing is, is, a, is a cruel sport. Um, I was at Leopardstown yesterday for the student race day. It was fantastic. I'm not, I'm not the, I was never a big gore as a student of student race days because there's just, there's a lot more reasons people go to student race days than actual racing. But yesterday was most enjoyable. I've been at the Cork one last week when it absolutely rained out of the heavens, but it was still a sold out crowd in Limerick last week as well. They're very successful initiatives. And I, and I hope that there's a, a more positive um, cohort of students who believe that we are, this, this sport is, is to be embraced and to be proud of and, and, and to be enjoyed. Um, but, this is disappointing. Look, it's it's a, a, van, a ban against the promotion of student race days. It's not to be misconstrued as a ban on student race days. What, when I'm reading down through these quotes where they think that gambling is a serious issue and that this industry is quoted as saying the industry that enables animal abuse. Well, that is just simply not true. There could be um, a spot of bother in, in store for Leopardstown Racecourse, Jane. Just tell us why. Yes, so reported in last week's Irish Field by Mark Costello, Horse Racing Ireland says it is engaging with the LDA, so the Land Development Agency, the state body, which which this week uh, identified a 23-hectare site on Leopardstown Racecourse, which would be suitable for up to 2,000 new homes. It's not a secret that Ireland is experiencing a housing shortage at the moment. There's a housing crisis, some politicians calling it a housing disaster. And basically, the LDA were uh, told to go out and, and find suitable um, plots of land. So HRI were asked for comment. A spokesperson for the HRI said that HRI is collaborating and engaging with all stakeholders, including the LDA, regarding the development of a master plan for Leopardstown Racecourse Campus. Uh, Leopardstown is one of Europe's premier racetracks, and as custodians of Ireland's whole horse racing and breeding industries, HRI is committed to ensuring a sustainable and vibrant Leopardstown while supporting the government in its housing for all strategy. Um, this isn't new. Um, this cropped up in 2018. The same piece of land was identified by Dunleary and Rathdown County Council as a vacant lot worth over 89 million euros, which should be surrendered for housing. Leopardstown and HRI lodged an appeal with onboard Planala back in 2018, uh, which they won, which actually got the site removed from the vacant lot register. But just to put into context, in 2021, the LDA was tasked with identifying state-owned sites uh, with the potential for development. Its report listed 83 sites with potential for up to 67,000 new homes of which the Leopardstown site was the largest of them all. So last December, um, it was reported in the Irish Independent that Fine Gael ministers Peter Burke and Martin Hayden sought assurances from the Agriculture Minister, uh, Charlie McClanaglogue, that he would intervene uh, should the LDA seek to acquire a significant amount of, of land from Leopardstown. So... I would regard this as quite serious. Uh, I don't remember racing at the Phoenix Park, but we all know what happened there. Leopardstown is one of Europe's best racetracks, arguably the best racetrack in Europe. And I hope that this isn't a case that we're, we're looking at a, a Maison Lafitte situation. 
All right, well, there's been a bit of a theme over the last few days of uh, horses who are trained in one country looking to do something extraordinary in another. It's not something that Kenny McPeak's ever been frightened of. Indeed, you could argue he was pioneering the idea of running US-based horses in the UK long before anybody else figured it out. And he's actually entered a horse at the latest uh, stage, the 9,000 stage for the Derby, a horse called Mendelssohn's March. He joins me now. Kenny, tell me a little bit about Mendelssohn's March and why you stuck the entry in. Well, this horse has done everything right from the beginning. Um, you know, you get rare opportunities to be a horse that you think's capable of doing things at a high level. And uh, everything in the morning and the afternoon, he's very uh, push-button, great mind. Um, it's an interesting pedigree for those that haven't looked at it yet. Mm. You know, he, It's basically Coolmore to Coolmore. Um, he's obviously by Mendelssohn out of a Galileo mare. Second damn sire is Halo, and this horse is just a—he's an exceptional individual. Um, he's been a little behind the curve getting ready, but um, I think timing-wise, this uh, this may suit him. Um, he's going to get another dirt run, and I'm not convinced he's as good a dirt horse as he is as he is or will be a grass horse. Okay, so given all that, you know, the Galileo and his pedigree as well, there aren't many, there aren't many with Galileo that close up in the pedigree that are as effective on dirt. You know, but a little unusual. So I broke his maiden at the fairgrounds. He did that really easily, wire to wire. Um, and I really intended on trying him on the synthetic at Turfway. I figured, well, we'll take him into the synthetic and we'll run him in a prep for the Jeff Ruby. Jeff Ruby being 700,000. I won the race last year with mm. Tis the Bomb. And and um, I thought this was a great path. We entered the horse and, and there were 17 entries and he got excluded, which was a bit of a head scratcher because I didn't expect that. I uh, didn't anticipate what I was going to do next. <laughs> so... Um, I put him on a truck, shipped him to Oakland, and ran him in a never won two allowance race on the dirt and actually came up sloppy. And, I mean, he, he did it like a good thing. And and um, I don't think he was about 80% when he did it, but he uh, he won that race uh, pretty easily. And, and he, like I said, he's an impressive individual, and I've got time to get two races in him, um, one here in early april he's entered for the bluegrass today and then uh, we'll probably come back in something in early may if he punches his ticket to the kentucky derby maybe we'll go there and if he doesn't he'll run in the american turf which is uh oaks or derby day here in kentucky so you know that's that's a nice pattern and i'm not i'm not intimidated by the english derby i think this horse will handle that and like I've said, I think he really pedigree-wise and physically, I think he's made to handle it. Yeah, you you have to go back, what is it, 31 years since Dr. Devious ran down the field in the Kentucky Derby and then wheeled back and, and won at Epsom. So you could you can run in both races with a happy outcome. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't think the logistics of doing this are, are all that difficult, but you know, and, and having brought Daddy's old darling, I think mm. that Epsom owes me one to some extent. De- definitely, that didn't go very well. But who could who could anticipate that happening? And and I still am adamant that she would have run really well that day. But um, you know, look, um, 
horse racing's uh, I always say it's like unfair boxing. They punch you in the mouth seven or eight times, and then you get to hit them once, and it feels so good. You say, let's do it again. So I've been punched in the mouth a couple times over there, but I, I get back up, and, you know, we keep at it. You've got Haystrike in the in the bluegrass as well. Which which of your horses at the moment is your is your Kentucky Derby number one hope? Oh, you know, you, there you go asking. You know, it's like asking a father which child he likes best. You can't do that to me. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they're, he's in with a chance. But you, um, you can always you can always say which of your children can run the fastest, though. <laughs> well. I've also got Sun Thunder in the race. We're going to bring him back out of Louisiana Derby. That was a paceless race. He's a son of um, Into Mischief. Of course, I trained the sire Harlan's Holiday. And then Hayes Strike, I trained his half-brother. Senior Investment, who was a good, solid horse, has made just under a million dollars. But Hayes Strike, I think, needs to show a little more speed. And, you know, look, Mendelssohn's March has got something to prove. They all do, really. Um, but I, but I'm excited for the race, and and I think I think with the upside, probably Mendelssohn's March has the most upside, but maybe it's on the grass, and if that is, if that's the case, then you'll see me this summer. Can't wait, Kenny. Thanks so much for your time, as always. You're welcome. Okay, that was Kenny McPeak. Looking forward to the Derby and the Derby, possibly with the same horse, Mendelssohn's March, as we march onwards to Hong Kong and J. A. McGrath. Nick, it's a funny old week in Hong Kong. Midweek racing takes place today, Thursday, at Happy Valley. As you know, usually they race on a Wednesday, but Wednesday was a public holiday, Qingming Festival. It's when Chinese residents in Hong Kong pay their respects to their ancestors, a massive traditional day acknowledged by all locals. So we've got a Thursday meeting at the Valley, Then a big race day on Sunday when we will see Hong Kong's newest acknowledged top sprinter, possibly a little premature to crown him. And I refer, of course, to Lucky Swain S, who lines up in the Group 2 Sprint Cup over six furlongs, worth 5 million Hong Kong dollars or around 500,000 pounds. For the record, Lucky Swainess has a local rating of 130, which incidentally puts him dead level with last year's Hong Kong Derby winner, Romantic Warrior. And perhaps more pertinently, two points clear of Wellington, who is on 128. Lucky Swainess will meet Wellington again on Sunday, which will be interesting. Uh, the, the Sprint Cup acts as a prep race for the Sprint on Champions Day, which takes place on Sunday the 30th of April at Sha Tin. There's plenty to look forward to, but let's get back to the Valley today. Nine races, and Zach Purton can dominate again. He could easily ride three or four winners today. His best is Hoss in race nine. Hoss goes for a hat-trick of wins over six furlongs at Happy Valley, which uh, may seem a little odd to some because he's a four-year-old by Fiorente, who won the Melbourne Cup over two miles. But Hoss just might be ahead of the game here, ahead of the handicapper. He's a four-year-old gelding, and I think he's got plenty up his sleeve. He goes up in class, here to class three. He's on a lower weight than normal, and uh, I think he'll get the money again. Drawn three with Zach Burton in the in the saddle. And he's trained by first-season trainer Jamie Richards, who will also saddle another big chance for Zach Purton in race six. And I refer to number five, Happy United. Now, Happy United is interesting because he is like his, uh, like the champion sprinter. He is by Swain S, a New Zealand-based sire. Uh, he's a three-year-old Happy United. 
and uh, he he uh, traces back very interesting pedigree. He traces right back to Milligram and uh, one in a million, those Helena Springfield mares who were very, very good about two or three decades ago. So a good family there and a very lightly raced horse who um, we have seen uh, only a couple of times but shows undoubted promise. So race six, number five, Happy United to beat number one, Kokushi Musu. And another one for Zach in race seven, number five, Helene Feeling. This raced in the UK for Michael Bell, won two from six and shapes very well over there for Danny Shum. So that's Happy Valley today. Good luck to you all. Nine races there. That's all on the Hong Kong beat and I'll have more for you next week. All right. Thanks to Jim. Thanks to all my guests on what's been a busy day. Jane Mangan is still with me. Jane, yesterday's racing at Leperstown was quite significant. We spoke to Dermot Well earlier in the week. His homeless songs made her seasonal debut classic winner uh, she just failed to get the better of buckaroo who was rather brilliantly brought back to the race course by joseph o'brien for uh qatar racing and O'Sheen murphy what did you make of that race yes i i was pleasantly surprised by buckaroo um i thought on track he looked like he was gonna he was gonna benefit from the run which i, I firmly believe he will and perhaps he outstayed the filly. Homeless Songs turned up and she ran a game race, the pair of them pulling clear. She only went down by a nick. And last year's, after the guineas, just we know it didn't go right for her. She was prepared for Ascot. The ground was too dry. She ended up not running until the, the back end of the season where she ran in the Matron and the Sun Chariot. But um, she was probably outstayed by a proper 10 furlong horse over a mile on heavy ground here. Uh, he's got an entry for the Tattersalls Gold Cup. I'd imagine that might be the likely way he goes. Uh, Joseph O'Brien, in their post-race discussion, mentioned that this horse, after disappointing behind Native Trail in the Irish Guineas, got got quite ill, and we hadn't seen him since then, so they did well to get him back. Um, and it was good to have Oshin Murphy in, in Leopardstown for the student race day. So I, I, I take a lot of positives from both uh, the first and the second. Um it's difficult on heavy ground to take form, literally, but we, we do know that they both uh, turned up and ran, made it for a very exciting heritage stakes. All right, Jane, have you got a tip for me for today? Yes, the evening meetings are back and the evening meetings roll on to Clonmel, where Champagne Socialist, having been a runner-up on a number of occasions, will go very close in 6.15 for John McConnell. Mayor's Maiden Hurdle, Champagne Socialist in the evening. Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, April the 6th. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Good Friday. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.